Praise the Lord. We're on our uh, new series called Encourage, and uh, it's all about infusing courage into you. And how does that happen? Well, that happens by the Spirit of God through the Word of God, that we are infused with courage. And so um, for a Christian to be a wimp is kind of like not possible if you're living by the Word. Uh, That's not what a Christian is made of. And so uh, maybe, um, oh, is Rhonda teaching today? Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But Christians, by essence and definition, are not wimps. Uh, they are people that have, uh, don't live by their feelings and don't live by their emotions. They live by the Word of God. And they're people that the Word has come to and revealed Himself to them. You know, Christ is the Word. And in Him is life and in Him is light, and in Him is direction, and in Him is strength, and in Him is boldness. And so uh, I'm really excited about this series. I've, been, I've enjoyed uh, immensely preparing for it. And so uh, we're going to pray and then get right into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that you're full of goodness. And Father, I thank you that you're the ultimate planner and that you planned a family. And that you sent Jesus into the world to seek and save that which was lost. And I thank you that his body is still in the earth and we're part of his body. And that we've been sent with the same mission to seek and save that which was lost. And Father, I thank you that the message of the gospel, the declaration of the gospel, that that is good news. And that it is full of the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that it accomplishes today everything that it ever accomplished on the cross. When Jesus rose from the dead, from the grave. So Father, we thank you for many resurrections here this morning. We thank you for light and understanding. That the entrance of your word gives light and brings understanding to the simple. And Father, we set ourselves to receive your word that cannot be corrupted, will not change, that is from everlasting to everlasting. We trust you through your Holy Spirit to once again open your words unto our spirits, that we be those that hear the word and do the word and live by the power of the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, um, this week I'm going to start with a a different verse, and then we'll go back to the other verses, I believe. Uh, 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. Maybe a familiar scripture, or maybe you haven't heard this one before. Um, Praise the Lord. Wherever... uh, we gather in the name of the Lord. He's here in the midst of us. And he's working in the midst of us. And uh, you notice so many times in the New Testament it said suddenly the Holy Spirit fell. So the Lord is still doing suddenlies. Suddenly. Suddenly the Holy Spirit fell. First Timothy or Second Timothy chapter one verse seven, for God 
has not given us a spirit of fear. Thank God. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, th that ought to be on uh, one of your frequent confessions if it's not. One of your frequent declarations. One of the frequent things that you take and you join yourself to. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I have not been given a spirit of fear. I've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And so the devil will wreak havoc with your brain and with your emotions if you let him. But you just resist him. The Bible says, submit yourself to God. Don't forget that part. Resist the devil and he will flee. And somebody said, no, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and I'm going to resist the devil. Well, that might work and that might not work. When you say whatever I want to do, what part of you are you talking about? Because if you're talking about your flesh or just reason, uh, that's not going to work. Because you have no power against the devil except what you have by virtue of being united to Christ. The authority that you have in your union with Christ. Because Christ has already defeated him and all of his works and all of his power. And so, uh, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And there is no better being to submit yourself to than God. Because he is love. And uh, his plans for you, his purposes for you are pure. They're not deceptive. They're not manipulative. He's not trying to position you so he can squeeze something out of you or get something out of you. No, his thoughts about you, his plans for you are actually to give you a hope and a future and provide a way of deliverance in a, at a time, a difficult time. Uh, he, he wants to help you. And that's evidenced by him sending his own son to die on the cross for you and for me. Uh, that we would be set free from all the power of the enemy. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, so I wrote a couple uh, of uh, Tim translations here, paraphrases. <laughs> Faith is the knowing that you have it. So what is faith? Well, when you're, when you're talking about something that you're hoping for, faith is like, I, I know I have it. it. It has such substance. It's a knowing on the inside. And it's really, when you kind of get rid of all the fluff, it's more real than the physical thing if it's a physical thing that you're believing for or a, a restoration of relationship or deliverance from something uh, that binds you. Faith knows it has received what it has hoped for. So faith is no longer hoping. Hope led it to faith. Hope is like a, a strong desire. Right? I hope someday I could be free from this. I hope someday it's not a dark cloud. Like, uh, 
You know, it's part of the curse. The Bible talks about the curse of the law. Do you know it is a curse to get up in the morning and dread the day and wish it was time to go to bed? And it is a curse to go to bed and dread the night and wish it was morning to get up in the morning. I'm talking about, you know, like you got depression coming on, you got these, you, that's part of the curse. If you read the curse, that's actually part of the curse. It says, would to God it were morning, would to God it were evening. That's, that's part of the curse. No, part of the blessing and the plan of God for every person on the earth, God's desire was to restore his family that was lost because of the fall. And his desire is that you would enjoy life. Jesus said, my whole mission, the whole reason I come, I have come, is that you might have life. That doesn't mean that you would like be breathing uh, alone. Well, that means that you would have the God kind of life. Well, what... And the God kind of nature. That's the Greek word zoe. It's the life of God, the nature of God. I wonder what the nature of God is. I wonder if God, well, as the Bible says, he does not sleep or slumber. So he doesn't, I was going to say, if he wakes up in the morning and dreads the day. But he doesn't even sleep. I wonder what God's attitude is concerning this day. I wonder what God's attitude is concerning the future. I wonder what God's attitude is concerning the past. I think it's pretty spectacular. I think it's full of glory, full of possibilities, full of life. Well, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Uh, Many people are dead while they live. Many people are dead while they live. Jesus came to set you free from that. He came to give you a resurrection. I like Daisy Osborne. She preached a, a message so many years ago called Never Too Dead for a Resurrection. <laughs> Never Too Dead for a Resurrection. What does that mean? Well, that means you can actually... The plan of God, the desire of God, the will of God for every single one of us is that we are so thrilled with the goodness of God, so thrilled with being alive that we're like, this is awesome that I have another day to be here. This is awesome that what the Lord has done. You live by faith. With joy, we draw waters, water from the well of salvation. And we draw, we draw that water with the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hopefully we'll get to it here in a little bit, but one of the places we're going is what is the ultimate path of joy? What is the ultimate life? Uh, you know, 
when everything is perfect, then you can actually, you'll be satisfied finally. Well, I guess you're not going to be satisfied until you get to heaven then. Because in the world, we're going to have trouble. But that's not all Jesus said about that. Anybody else know the rest of that verse? In the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. For I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Praise the Lord. Be of good cheer, because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. What? Why can we be of good cheer? Because he overcame the world. Why? Why can we be of good cheer? Why? Because when we receive him, we become united to him. And everything that he did is transferred to our account. We are in union with him. So if he overcame the world, that means we have overcome the world in him. James chapter 1 says, count it all joy whenever, he said my brethren, which he's talking about other believers, right? Count it all joy whenever you face all kinds of tests and trials. He didn't say, count it all joy when all of you, you see all of your bills paid, when you have the best uh, earthly friendships and relationships, when all of your family is serving the Lord. No, he said, count it all joy. Or one translation says, maximum joy. Count it ultimate joy, maximum joy, when you face all kind of tests and trials. Well, if he stopped there, it'd be kind of puzzling. But he didn't stop there. Because you know the testing of your faith produces standing power or endurance or the Greek word hoopamone. Why? That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so there is a joy from the Lord that overcomes the world and everything in the world. And you actually were never designed to just sit around, do nothing, wait for something good to fall on you. You will never be satisfied in that. You're designed for a mission. You're designed to fulfill the plan of God you're designed to overcome the devil because you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You're designed to live by faith and walk by faith and that pleases God and you can't please God and not know it. And when you please God, it pleases you. Oh, there's so many places I could go right here. Praise the Lord. Let's go right to Ephesians chapter five. I think it's chapter five. Oh, I have so many notes. We'll be here for days. Ephesians chapter 5. I don't think I'm telling you the right verse. <laughs> I cleaned up my notes so well, I took out the verses. Okay, let me, let me just look.
If you saw my original notes, you'd be really scared. We're not going to be here that long. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And we're going to read down through verse 29. This is what we just talked about. This is concerning Christ and the church, husbands and wives, so it's, it's, it's a really good illustration. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. How am I supposed to love my wife? And gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church." Now, the, the washing of water by the word, that washing of water by the word, you know that word for word is the Greek word rhema. You know anything about the word rhema? It's the word of God made real to you or quickened to you or it's like it's spoken to you like, whoa, where did that come from? So logos is the written word. So anybody could read the written word. But if you read the written word correctly, you're actually going to get some rhema words. Because the Spirit of God is still speaking today. And he's, he's, he doesn't uh, primarily speak uh, like you would hear a man speak. But it's through, the, the Bible calls it the inward witness. It is a knowing on the inside. And a lot of times people will say, I know that I know. I can't explain how I know. How do you know? I don't know. I just know that I know. How do you know that you know? I just know. I can't tell you how I know. Well, try to tell me how you know. I don't know how to tell you how I know. I just know. I, I just, well, it, it's, it's like a revelation from God. Like, don't let the word revelation be scary. We're not adding to the scriptures. It's the scriptures made real to you that you actually see in them a part of what God intended for you to see in them. It's like, you ever talk to somebody, I think of children, because I have, you know, four children on the earth, and uh, you're trying to get through to them, and you're like, you're saying all the things that you should really say, but you know, like, it's not really penetrating. Like, you, you're not really understanding, or uh, if you have any interpersonal conflict, and you know, that can be like a delicate situation, because people have flesh, and they want to have an ego, and want to, like, pet, pet, you know, and so, uh, you know, sometimes you, you want, you, it's really important, the words that you say. And you really want people to hear what's in your heart concerning them. And, uh, you know, you may start a conversation, especially if there's any tension, and then you start that conversation and they have maybe filters or preconceived ideas or past experiences with you and uh, maybe legitimately bad past experiences with you, and you're trying to communicate this. And uh, as you try to communicate it, they're not really hearing what you're saying because they are um, so affected by 
thoughts and images and reminders of the past, uh, especially if it was pretty intense, that, that they are very apprehensive to let you say anything else, like to see it any other way. You, you may be saying, I was totally wrong, please forgive me. And they're thinking like, you're just trying to get where you can like turn the knife in me. So I, there's no way I'm, I'm letting you do that. You know, you see this in marriage a lot of times. Uh, biggest reason people get divorced is because they harden their hearts. First towards the other person. But if you're going to do that, you can't harden your heart towards your husband or wife and not begin a hardening process towards the Lord. So I've told my wife before, you've you got to be so glad that I'm born again because <laughs> I was not born again. I mean, there's been, she's a wonderful wife. Even someone as perfect as her has some imperfections. No. Well, even if she was technically perfect, I'm sure I'd have trouble with it in my flesh. Because I'd be like, you're just trying to make me look bad. <laughs> so then you see the problem is not really her, it's me. It's my flesh. So as long as I see her as the problem, we're not coming together. Like if she's the, like we haven't married, if we were having marriage issues, and I'm always like, well, she needs to change. She needs to be different. She needs to fix. Okay, but what do I need to do? How difficult do I make it on her? Do, do I, this is bonus. Do I give myself for her that I might sanctify and cleanse her? How much were um, explaining what I had just said before I started reading this? How much does how I treat her and regard her affect how I see myself. Well, according to the word, it really affects you. Because people will care for themselves. He's saying like, if you're not caring for your wife to husbands, you're not caring for yourself. Take that and make your marriage heaven on earth. <laughs> so it's the daily washing of the word. When that word is washing daily. That's interesting. Daily washing of the word. It's a daily cleansing. Wonder if I could daily tell my wife or have the attitude towards my wife and use multiple different ways to say it. Wonder if I could daily cleanse her. Would that wonder if that would involve like do you know forgiveness means to like dematerialize whatever they did? Like a chalkboard, a good slate chalkboard with a sponge with water. You take all the stuff that's written there and you wipe it out and those particles dematerialize and those same little particles will never be in the exact same place ever, ever, ever again. 
wonder if I could daily wash her like that. That every day, like the Lord gives me new mercy every day. He doesn't give that just for me. I can then give the same mercy every single day. So daily washing of the word will actually reshape you. And you need to be reshaped. Man is a spirit, and your spirit man is a perfect man. But man is not only a spirit. You have a soul, the saving of your soul. James talks about the saving of your soul. Uh, Paul talks about the saving of your soul. So we use uh, vague terms of coast because it came from the Old Testament. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Um, sometimes the Bible refers to it as your heart, but it is not your spirit. And I guarantee your soul needs to be saved. I'm talking to Christians right now, especially non-Christians too, but I'm talking to Christians. Like my soul, Tim's soul needs to be saved in some areas where it hasn't been saved. Now there's some areas where it has been saved. In other words, it's been reshaped and reformed by the word of God. I remember T.L. Osborne said, he said, I read some of the old books I used to read and I thought like this was the most amazing thing. And he said, I think, how in the world did I ever think that way? Because the Word of God, when you receive the Word of God in your heart, it will reshape you. It's the washing of water by the Word. And so you actually can be cleansed by the Word of God. You can actually be cleansed by the Word of God. No matter what anyone or anything, or any experience has done to you, the Word of God can wash you clean. Come on. If you know somebody that's uh, recently divorced and it's a bad divorce, well, you, you, you almost, you get with them and you can almost, almost could smell the divorce, reek the, you know, they reek of divorce and they speak of divorce. Like that's, that's their identity. They have ident, how, who, who, hi, hi, I'm divorced. I'm, Tim, I'm divorced. You, you, I'm not trying to pick on anybody at all, but you know, when people have allowed the word of God and God himself to be their foundation and their stability you can actually meet someone who's been divorced and you don't even know it. That, that there is nothing uh, still attached to them of that. There is like a fragrance of heaven and a fragrance of liberty. And a, 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 that's probably a bad place to say that. I'm not saying that like they're free from their other, you know, their marriage or something like that. But they're not, I don't want anybody to get, if we would all just have our minds completely renewed, I wouldn't even have to pause about that. So now that I did, I have to say, like, you know, for the believer, Jesus Christ is our justification. The believer who's acting based on their beliefs from the word of God. Jesus justifies me. He is the justifier. But that doesn't mean that you still don't have flesh. And your flesh has wants and desires, and then it'll be like, there are actually needs. 
and your flesh will justify many, many things that will, uh, that can look desirous at the moment, but the end of it is destruction and separation and death. Like my dad, my, I won't even say who, but somebody, when my dad was a little boy, uh, got him to, uh, got him a box of uh, chocolate-covered cherries and said, here, Mark, you can eat as many of these as you want. So he started eating chocolate-covered cherries. And he's like, oh, eat some more. Eat some more. I guess I could say it was my great-grandfather. And uh, so he ate and ate and ate and ate. Oh, you know, his flesh loved eating those. All the way down. Oh, yum. Oh, yum. Oh, yum. Till about an hour later, he's vomiting. So just because it feels good or tastes good or seems good at the moment doesn't mean that it's good. Long term. It's the washing of water by the word, daily shaping, daily molding you, what, into the image of Christ, into the image of God. Count it all joy when you face all kind of tests and trials. You know how good it is to put your body in shape? You know how miserable it is when you don't keep the end in sight and you're doing it? You're like, why am I doing this? I'm like, why am I jogging? Especially, I don't like to jog in real hot weather, so I've been so blessed. This, this, uh, this summer season so far has been wonderful, you know. I have to get up pretty early sometimes, and even then in the, the middle of the summer, it's uh, not that refreshing. But you know, putting your body under is painful while you're doing it but it reaps some really good rewards. And actually not just physical rewards. Because putting your body under in one area will actually help you put your body under in another area. And so as believers, we're not supposed to be dominated by anything except for the word of God. You know, if you have to have uh, coffee or you have to have uh, sugar or you have to have whatever you think you have to have, don't let that thing dominate you. Let the Word of God dominate you. You can have a little bit of almost anything unless, you know, your spirit says, hey, don't be eating that. You know, we have Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly, the Lord will lead you, guide you, He'll help you, you know, and uh, he'll, he'll direct you in the right path that you can actually avoid things that will harm you at certain times in your life even. Sometimes you can eat things that are like normal and regular, but you may have a season where the Lord says, don't eat any of that. How do you know the Lord says that? Well, sometimes like I'll just go to eat something. I just feel almost like I'm sinning or something wrong, like on the inside, like, no, don't eat that. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. I have a guide on the inside. And he knows a lot of things. I mean, a lot of things I don't know. 
I want to say like majority, th- like there's a, like my knowledge compared to his knowledge is not even comparable is what I'm trying to say. So he knows all things. And the things that we know from God, from the word, and that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us, we learn, Paul says, those are actually partial knowledge and we look through a dim glass. It's like a foggy view. So we know some things, but we don't fully know really almost anything. But we will. You know, we're fully known of him, the Bible says, and eventually we will also fully know. But right now we see through a glass darkly and dimly and we prophesy in part, the Bible says. So uh, thank God for the part that we do know, but we don't know all things, but he does know all things. B.B. Hankins said, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, or no, it wasn't B.B. Hankins. Um, I think it's Barclay. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll make you look smart. If you don't, you'll just look average. That's a nice way to say it. So you are not a loser. You are not a loser. Don't think like a loser. Don't walk like a loser. Don't act like a loser. Don't think loser thoughts. You are so valuable. Jesus Christ himself would have died for you if you were the only one on earth that needed salvation. He would have died for you. God loves you, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. About God's love for you. Now, he can deceive you and trick you and manipulate you and have a good time laughing at you and mocking you if you let him. But he doesn't have authority over you. He can only do to you what you allow him to do to you. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee. The Bible does not say, pray to the Lord and tell the Lord what the devil is doing to you and have the Lord tell the devil to stop. That's what our natural reasoning would say. Well, if God doesn't, God knows everything. So of course he knows I'm being attacked. He he knows that this is coming my way. And so Lord, do something about the devil. That's like my daughter, you know, she's learning to drive. She almost got her license now and caused much faith on my part. And so that's like, you know, I get the vehicle all ready for her to drive. I'm even sitting with her in the car, in our van. And I'm saying, okay, Evie, let's go. And she's like, well, uh, it's not going, Dad. It's not going. And I'm like, well, you, you have to put it in gear. I'm not going to put it in gear for you. You have to put it in gear. If you can't put it in gear, you should not be driving. (laughs) So she just gets to the steering wheel and she's like, oh, dad, I just ask that you would make this car move (laughs) and make it stay on the right side of the yellow lines so I don't scare you like I did the first time. And, uh, And so, yeah, that's not how it works. So I say, okay, now you drive. I gave her several instructions. Now you drive the car. 
And then what does she do? She has to put it in gear. She has to drive. She has to turn it. She has to stay on the right side of the yellow lines. And so you resist the devil and he will flee. He's given you authority over the devil. And who has authority over your flesh? Your body. You do. So who decides what your body does? You decide. God doesn't decide what your body does. You decide what your body does. Well, God gives you some pretty good instructions. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Ouch. Which is your reasonable act of worship. That's a pretty reasonable thing to do. Or one translation says your spiritual act of worship by offering your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. What does that mean? I have dedicated myself, my body, over to the Lord's use. Holiness is just dedicated to the use of the Lord. And dedicated over to the use of the Lord. And so glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. I'm not making much progress. Praise the Lord. So you're not a loser. Completely opposite in Christ, actually. You're a winner. You're a champion. You're, a, you're on the victory side. You are a victor. You're on the undefeated team. You're part of the undefeated ones. I haven't even got to my verses. Let's go to my verses. John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you fatherless, but I will come to you. James 1.27. Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. Uh, Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and the name, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The word for paraclete, when Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, is, uh, excuse me, the Greek word for Holy uh, Comforter is paraclete. I said it backwards. The word for paraclete is comforter. The word for comforter is paraclete. And uh, William Barclay says this. He said, uh, it's used of exhorting troops who are about to go into battle. It is the word used of the speeches of leaders and soldiers who urge each other on. It is the word used of words which send fearful and timid and hesitant soldiers and sailors courageously into battle. Come on, have you ever seen a sporting team who is like, it's halftime, and they are down for the count, and they just see themselves as what? Losers. Does the coach go in and say, okay, you bunch of losers? Yeah, not if he's a good coach. He's like, what are you doing? You're acting like losers. You're thinking like losers. But you are not losers. You're champions. You're victors. 
But as long as you think you're a loser, as long as you talk like a loser, as long as you walk around like a loser, your body language matters. You're going to become that very thing that you're identifying with, a loser. And God did not make any losers. God made champions. Count it all joy when you face all kinds of tests and trials because this is doing something in you that would not be accomplished in you without the test and without the trial. The very thing that the devil meant to destroy you, to hinder you, to hurt you by the power of the Spirit of God, you can and should take those things, get out front and make it look like a parade. Say, all right, devil. You brought this challenge, or all, all right, my own flesh, because I messed up, caused this challenge to come. This will not defeat a child of God. Amen. I'm not walking in my own power or my own strength. I have the strength of God. What does Philippians 4.13 say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where, where the word comforter came from was a really old translation of the Bible, uh, Tyndale's translation back in the 1600s. Um, he used uh, the word comforter. But the same translation that he used to do that, he said, I thank God who has made me strong. I thank God who has made me strong, who has enabled me. It's from uh, the Latin word. Where's my Latin students? It's, it's, it's uh, from the Latin word. Fortis, which means brave, strong, and courageous. The function of the Holy Spirit was to fill a man with the spirit of power and courage that would make him able to triumphantly cope with life. As I, if you have not recognized it yet, you have not lived very long, that the world will chew you up and spit you out and not care. There is no love in the world. Uh, they call it love, but it's really self-centered, self-gratification. But there is love in the family of God, Amen. the love of God that does not put self first, but puts you first, puts other people first, the love of God. I thank God who has made me strong. Fathers, one of the main functions, and mothers really too, but especially fathers, one of your main roles in your family is to live with godly fortitude and teach your children how to do the same. The greatest thing you can do is not to provide the big, best and biggest material things, that, but to provide the godly strength Courage, fortitude, stability, strength in the face of adversity, calm in the midst of the waves and winds, and to live and be a strong, godly man. You know, we have within us as fathers an, an instinct to provide and to protect. You know, so then sometimes we just want to have like 
I'll walk in safe with like all of these weapons and all of this stuff and, you know, you know, a bulletproof car and, you know, whatever, all, all this stuff, you know, just like, oh, massively overboard. Well, it's good to have a weapon. Jesus told the disciples when they go out, he told them, commanded them to carry a sword. But you know, you look at the armies and the Lord was on their side, they would win. When the Lord wasn't on their side, they wouldn't. So you better have the Lord with you. And you better know that he's with you. That'll give you boldness and confidence. <laughs> well, how do you have calm in the midst of a storm? How can you be stable as a, as a father, as a husband? Well, you only, the only way, the only way, the only way is to get your stability from God. Come on. We have that same spirit of faith. Same spirit of faith. What's the spirit of faith say? Oh, it may look impossible, but with God, all things are possible. What's the spirit of faith say? I know there's a giant there. I don't know that giant has a lot of body, you know, his body armor weighs as much as I do. <laughs> and if I start looking at myself compared to that giant, I'm going to think, well, his, his armor weighs as much as I do. He's like four feet taller than me. My body is the size of one of, you know, my, my body around here is like one of his arms. You know what he could do to my body? But David didn't do that. David had a spirit of faith. David saw the giant in the light of God. He said to the giant, how dare you? How dare you? defy the armies of the living God. How dare you? He said that because he had a spirit of faith. We have that same spirit of faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, we have that same spirit of faith. I'm strong because I have him and I have his word. That's where ultimate strength comes from. God and his word. So the Spirit of God, like a father, will speak to you. He'll say, you can do this. I'm your advocate. You're not like this. That's not who you are. Remember what he said to Gideon? The wimp Gideon? Gideon's like hiding from the battle. And he said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. The, the guy that was hiding. While well, he should have been out fighting, ready to fight. God saw him different than how he saw himself. God, you know God sees you different than how you see yourself sometimes? Don't let yourself succumb to the weakest desires of your flesh and the weakest thoughts of your mind. Let yourself develop into and become the very man or woman that God has designed for you to be. And the only way that's going to happen is how Jesus did it. He grew in wisdom and knowledge uh, and favor with God and men. He got to the word of God and discovered who he was. 
Jesus didn't know who he was when he was born. He discovered it in the Word. Read the Word. I, I have to get you that scripture because that may help people, cause some people to stumble. But that's in the scripture. And so the same way he discovered who he was, we take the Word, put it in our heart, discover who we are, and then let it come out of our mouth, and we stand firm in the strength of God, in the ability of God. Praise the Lord. Uh, you better stand so I, so I finish. You know, I was uh, in the military for four and a half years. Well, I was really there for eight years, but I was active for four and a half years. And um, in that time, we had a internet, well, a major incident. We had a, a pilot that was shot down, and I was, I was working um, uh, on that uh, situation. And so uh, when that happened, you know, a lot of assets, a lot of people, a lot of things just focused on that. And, uh, you know, my normal uh, work day and work week was completely changed and transformed. And when I thought, well, you, you know, you, you normally get off at such and such a time, you don't get off at such and such a time. And so I didn't expect my schedule to change that way. But do you know what? I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to walk out. I wanted to be there to help save this person's life, get them back, get them protected. So your flesh sometimes will tell you what you really want is to get uh, lemonade and sit on the front porch and just rock in a rocking chair and uh, be done and just kind of chill out. That's all you want to do. Well, you can give into that and you, you need rest. The Bible talks about rest. We're not talking about something unbalanced. You need, you know, to take a vacation, those type of things. We're not, we're not, uh, Going extreme on all that. But you know, that is not a satisfying life to live your life that way, that that's all you do. You are made for dominion. And you know, uh, uh, I have some wonderful memories from all the things that we did and that I was involved with just in that little situation. It was only like probably about a week of my time. You know, probably like, from eight, I used to work eight-hour days, so I was probably working 16-hour days or whatever. Glad to do it. Why? Because you're made for mastery. You're not made to sit by the way and just let whatever will be, will be. You're an overcomer in Christ. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you and gave himself for you. You're made not just to conquer, but more than conquer. We fight the good fight of faith. And so our satisfaction and really the joy of the Lord will not be found in things dropping on you like a ripe cherry dropping off of a tree. But your actually satisfaction and the joy of the Lord will actually be found for those who engage in what comes their way and live by faith and overcome every obstacle and realize Jesus really is Lord. Jesus has delivered me. Jesus has saved me. He has strengthened me. He's strengthening me now. 
Just bring it on. I'm just going to go in bed and die. You're made for life. You're made for living. You have a purpose. You have a call. And if you don't fulfill it, you're actually hindering the world. Because the Lord wants to bless the world, the lost and the saved, through giftings and callings He has on your life and on my life. God has wonderful things in store for you. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you first must lose it. You'll never find your life until you give it up. That is not committing suicide. That's saying, I'm not going to be the Lord of my life anymore. I'm receiving Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. I want His love. I want His mercy. I want His attitude. I want to worship God, His Father. I want God, His Father, to be my Father. I want to be part of the family of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord, I want to give you that opportunity. We live by faith. That means we live by things unseen. But those unseen things are just as real, probably more real than what you can see. How do you become a Christian? How do you get to be part of the family of God? Well, the Bible says, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. It's really, it's really that simple. You just believe in your heart and declare it with your mouth. This goes beyond mental reasoning. It's actually from the heart of a man, heart of a woman. You make a decision from your heart. Just like you make a decision from your heart to really forgive somebody. It's like you make a decision from your heart to really join with somebody, to, to marry somebody. You're really serious about it. Just like when I say to my wife, I love you, if I really mean it, I'm saying that from my heart. It comes out of my heart. So you locate your heart and you say, I, I do believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. I do believe he is Lord and I receive him as my Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to pray that prayer with us, we're all going to pray it together. Just slip up your hand. And um, we'll pray together. God will hear your prayer and come in and change your life. All of us have needed a fresh start in life. He'll wipe the slate clean. You get a fresh start, a brand new life. Let's pray this. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And then he died on the cross to take away my sins. Lord Jesus, I do receive you as my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for you every day for the rest of my life. Thank you, Father God, for saving me, washing me clean, making me brand new, giving me a new life. In Jesus' name, amen.